BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom in the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. I really want to get into this issue of why is Donald Trump allowing our allies, the Kurds, to be slaughtered? But let me start at the beginning. Back before World War I, Kurdistan, the Kurds, at various times in history, have had their own country. It's Kurdistan. And it is partly in southern Turkey, partly in northeastern Syria, partly in northwestern Iraq. So you've got the Kurds basically, after the Middle East was redrawn after World War I, you know, the Kurds lost their country. But it's one people, they share a common version of Islam that's not crazed and radicalized like the Saudis. They share a common language, Kurdish they view themselves as a people. And they have aligned themselves with the United States. Now, that's all kind of fine from our point of view when they were useful. But Erdogan in Turkey does not like the fact that the Kurds in the south of Turkey are saying, hey, this should be our own country. And Assad in Syria doesn't like the fact that the Kurds in northeastern Syria and eastern Syria are saying, hey, you know, we should be part of Kurdistan. I mean, going all the way back to Saddam Hussein, the Iraqis don't like the fact that the Kurds in northwest Iraq are saying, we'd like to be part of Kurdistan. Strangely enough, I mean, during the Obama administration, there was, there was a debate about, you know, what should we do about the situation with Iraq? And the guy who was saying what we should do is allow Kurdistan to split off from Iraq and recommend to the Turks that they kind of free their Kurds and maybe even help support the Kurds in Syria. The guy promoting that idea was Joe Biden. It's been floated in U.S. foreign policy for decades. You know, the Kurds fought on our side against ISIS in Iraq. And when ISIS created this caliphate in Syria and said, okay, this is the headquarters of the caliphate. ISIS is now a multinational or now a national entity that spans several countries. Basically, we went to the Kurds and said, you know, help us kick out ISIS and we'll protect you. This was the deal we made with them because, you know, they were being attacked from the south and east by Assad because they live in, you know, northwestern Syria. They were being attacked by Assad and then they also had the threat that Erdogan, the now dictator of Turkey, 
Since that military coup, he's basically taken over, rewritten the Constitution. He's president for life, which is what Trump wants to do here. And Erdogan wants to send troops into, you know, cross his own border into northern Syria to kill the Kurds, to slaughter them. And by the way, 10,000 Kurdish troops, these are the Peshmerga, 10,000 Kurdish troops died fighting on our behalf with our weapons and our people, you know, supporting our troops to destroy ISIS in Syria. Well, you know, you never really destroy an ideology or a theology. ISIS is kind of the logical outgrowth of Saudi Wahhabism, and it's spread all over the world, but it's, you know, it's particularly pernicious in this region. And so what's going to happen is if Turkey goes in and slaughters the Kurds, ISIS is simply going to reappear, bigger and better than ever. And you may end up with a border war between Turkey and Syria, and of course Turkey is part of NATO, which brings the NATO alliance into it, and Syria is aligned with Russia, and a battle between Russia and NATO could spill over into Ukraine. NATO is on the western border of Ukraine, Russia's on the eastern border of Ukraine, moving Ukraine into being a nation, you know, into being a NATO power, I think would be the thing that would probably push President Putin off over the edge. This is a disaster in the making. This is truly an amazing thing. And now you've got the interesting thing. Trump announced this overnight and the Kurds came out and said, okay, we've been stabbed in the back. This is from the BBC. U.S. troops have begun withdrawing from positions in northern Syria, paving the way for a Turkish operation against the Kurd fighters. The main Turkish-led groups that called the U.S. move, quote, a stab in the back. And by the way, the senior officials in the Pentagon, they said to Trump, don't do this. The senior officials in the State Department, they said to Trump, don't do this. Lindsey Graham said this is, quote, a disaster in the making. Graham on Fox and Friends, of all places, said the biggest lie being told by this administration is that ISIS is defeated. Marco Rubio, for God's sake, quote, this is what he said, tweeted. He said, quote, if reports about U.S. retreat in Syria are accurate, the Trump administration has made a grave mistake that will have implications far beyond Syria. It would confirm Iran's view of this administration and embolden them to escalate hostile attacks, which in turn could trigger more broad and dangerous regional war. Liz Cheney, of all people, she says this is a catastrophic mistake. This decision ignores lessons of 9-11. Terrorists thousands of miles away can and will use their safe havens to launch attacks against America. Nikki Haley, who, you know, if Trump gets impeached, there's talk that Pence wants her as his running mate, as his VP. She has said, we have always had the back of our allies. And if we expect them to have our back, the Kurds were instrumental in our successful fight against ISIS in Syria. Leaving them to die is a big mistake. Hashtag Turkey is not our friend. Well, you know, yeah, okay. So even the Republicans are getting it, that Turkey is not our friend. I wonder if they're noticing, though, that, let me get the date here, that on April 20th, 2012, Ivanka Trump tweeted out, thank you, Prime Minister Erdogan, for joining us yesterday to celebrate the launch of Trump Towers Istanbul. So Trump's making money in Turkey. And the dictator of Turkey wants to take down the Kurds who have been our allies through, through 
decades. And, you know, I've, I've told this story before. My mentor, uh, Gottfried Mueller, the guy, that I, I wrote a book about him called The Prophet's Way. He was German. He was in Hitler's army, conscripted, but there he was. And uh, he was arrested. He was parachuted in early in World War II. He was parachuted into southern Kurdistan, northern Iraq at the time, and taken prisoner. The Iranians controlled that area at the time. He was taken prisoner by the Iranians and by the Brits. And the Iranians had sentenced him to death by hanging, and the Brits had sentenced him to death by firing squad. And he spent the whole, you know, the next three years every day thinking he was going to die. It's when he became a vegetarian, and he, you know, he had all these extraordinary experiences. After the war, he went back to Germany and started building these, you know, orphanages and things, you know, trying to do penance for even just having been part of Hitler's army, even though he never killed anybody. He actually designed the flag that the Kurdish independence movement is today using. My mentor, Gottfried Mueller, and he spoke Kurdish. And he had been there in the, in the late 1920s. He had bicycled down to Kurdistan. So I have some, you know, history and knowledge of this area and these people, too. And I think this is just mind boggling. And where are the Democrats in speaking out about this? I mean, we are stabbing an ally in the back. And frankly, I'm with Joe Biden I, you know, on this particular idea. I mean, I, you know, I'd, I don't think he's the best guy to be our Democratic nominee, but I think he's spot on that, you know, in his arguments during the Obama administration, Obama never did it, but that the Kurds should be allowed to have their own country. And let's start moving in that direction, at least in northwest Iraq, when we had control of Iraq. And I don't know if Condi Rice was thinking the same thing, but it wouldn't surprise me. But we have just abandoned an ally here. And this is going to blow back on us really badly. And now in the future, any group, right, any country, I mean, obviously the Kurds don't yet have a country, but any group that aspires to a country, any, any group, period, they're going to look at the United States and say, really, can we trust them? And the same thing's happening in China right now with Hong Kong. This is the Tom Hartman Program. It's like all we're doing is sucking up to autocrats, you know, like Erdogan and Xi. This is what Trump does. He wants to be an autocrat. Richard in Naples, Florida. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching Free Speech TV, by the way. Thank you, Tom. I am just so excited to be able to talk with you at this moment. I think you are absolutely right on. I remember listening to the debates or Trump whenever he was running for office and trying to find something good about him. And I remember him saying, we've got to support the Kurds. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe he's got something there. Yeah. Well, he's positioning uh, this now as part of his promise to have no more stupid foreign wars. And I'm all in favor of no more stupid foreign wars. But you don't abandon your allies. I mean, this isn't like we're an occupation force. We won the war in Afghanistan in, what, a month? We won the war in Iraq in two months. I mean, took down the leadership and took control of the country. And ever since then, it's been occupations of Iraq and Afghanistan, which has just been a screaming disaster. And we just had another U.S. soldier die in Iraq last week. But what we're doing in Syria, protecting the Kurds, is not an occupation. I think it's a whole different thing. Anyhow, back to you, Richard. Well, and also, I just wanted to let you know that Megan McCain on The View this morning came out so strongly. I mean, the anger in her eyes and in her voice, she sounded like her dad. 
yeah. uh, when he was at his most brilliant. And she made it very clear that this is the worst policy that we can be pursuing. And I also feel strongly about that. I don't have any insight like you do as to the Kurds, but I pay enough attention to know that these folks, they remind me very much of what we think are the principles that we should be living by, where we fight for our freedom. They have put their lives on the line. Like you say, 10,000 of them died to support our policies, and now we're just going to abandon them. Yeah, I just think it's crazy. And yeah, we need to end the stupid wars, and, but, but we need to be an agent of peace, an instrument of peace. I mean, there needs to be, the United Nations needs to get involved in this. The United States should be playing a leadership role. We should be pulling together Iran, Iraq. You know, Iran, by the way, has Kurds too in their southwest side, and they hate the Kurds too. So, I mean, you've got Kurds basically in four countries, and we should be pulling those four countries together, plus the other countries in the region that are, you know, that, are, that have influence over those countries and having peace talks. The Kurds have helped us in so many ways in that region. Whether you think that the invasion of Afghanistan was a good idea or not, I think it was stupid. You know, the Mullah Omar said, fine, we'll arrest bin Laden and give him to you. And Bush said, no, I want to have a nice little war. Whether you think the invasion of Iraq was, you know, stupid. I mean, I was out protesting in the streets. I was giving speeches around the country in opposition to the Iraq war just before, you know, Bush did it and have, you know, opposed it all along. But what was the old Pottery Barn rules of Colin Powell? You know, you break it, you buy it. We have some sort of an obligation in that region. It's not an obligation to continue fighting wars or to occupy territory. But, you know, this is... doing what you're doing, Tom. Yeah, thank you, Richard. If there was ever a time for a, a Yalta kind of convention, this is it right now. As a believer in natural and herbal medicine, I generally shy away from surgery, especially cosmetic procedures. But let's face it, I'm human and want to look good. Decades of hard work have left its mark, and I found a product that not only works, but meets my non-invasive criteria. I'm talking about Plexiderm. It's derived from shale rock and visibly reduces under-eye bags, wrinkles, and crow's feet in minutes. No knives, no needles only naturally derived ingredients. I'm all in, and you should be too. Don't believe it? I didn't either until I tried it. Now I don't let my skin give away my age. Within minutes, I'm looking younger again. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear, so nobody will know you're using it unless you tell them. And the effects last for hours. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M, for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, half off plus an extra $10 off. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't be a victim of your skin any longer. Visit tryplexiderm.com and use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, at checkout. That's tryplexiderm.com or call 800-685-1292. Tryplexiderm.com, code TOM. This is absolutely amazing. Uh, over at The Guardian, Martin Chulov is reporting there are four camps, detention camps, in this Kurdish-controlled territory. And one of the reasons that Bashar al-Assad, you know, the, the, the guy who runs, you know, the dictator of Syria, one of the reasons that he's allowed basically the Kurds to continue operating where they are is because they've destroyed ISIS, and ISIS was a threat to him also. But they didn't just, like, kill ISIS. They've got something like 90,000 ISIS fighters, the Kurds do, 90,000, the Kurds and some of the northern Syrian forces, 90,000 ISIS fighters detained in four camps. 
many of these people are like ISIS leadership. The Guardian describes them as hardwired to support ISIS. You know, these are people who, you know, if they get out, they're going to go right back to being basically, you're going to see ISIS just bloom in the region. I know that the neoconservative position is always, yes, yes, let's have a war. I'm saying let's try to stop a war. Let's try to stop a slaughter. Let's let's try let's bring this region together. Trump brings nothing to this. Remember when Jimmy Carter did Camp David and he brought together the Egyptians and the Israelis and said, let's work this thing out and you know got a Nobel Peace Prize for it? It's like there is frankly, I think Trump has no understanding of this. It boggles the mind. Amir in West Hills, California, listening on KPFK. Hey Amir, what's up? Hello, yes. Thank you for your informative, enlightening, and timely coverage of the global and local news. Yeah, I just wanted to really highlight the gravity of the situation, the catastrophic consequences of this decision that you mentioned, the draw of U.S forces from northeast Syria. Uh, yeah, and if I can add, Amir, and I'd, and I'd love to, if, if let me just toss this in, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Apparently, Trump announced this policy blindsiding his own people after he had a phone call from Erdogan. Now, Trump has a Trump Tower in Erdogan's Turkey. Uh, Erdogan has become, you know, a tough guy, strong man, increasingly seems to be aligning himself with other oligarchs around the world, including some of the Russian oligarchs. And I'm wondering what Erdogan said to Trump, and then, hey, I want to kill some Kurds. You know, what he said to Trump to get Trump to do this, to go against his own Department of Defense and his own intelligence service. Back to you, Amir. Yeah, definitely there was bipartisan backlash, you know, during the initial decision when it was made. The sudden unexpected withdrawal, and it led to fellow Republicans to oppose such a hasty and untimely withdrawal, which led to really cutting down on the troops. And now apparently there is about 1,000 U.S. troops in the region, and at speak it was about 3,000. And American troops have never been any place as safe as in Kurdistan. They have suffered the least or no casualties. Right. The, Kurd, the Kurds took casualties for us. I mean, they lost 10,000 yeah, fighters. you did mention, you know, it's, it's much more than uh, 10,000 that you mentioned. Uh, uh-huh. They have announced basically about 12,000 and, and uh, about 70,000 basically injured and wounded. Wow. You mentioned these camps. It's ironic that... Trump has given Erdogan the tyrant of the century, at least in our area, the leverage basically to take over the ISIS fighters. These are the same forces that Erdogan basically supported, funded, and sent into Syria. You're saying something I don't know the background or details of. Are you saying directly, I mean, the ISIS fighters are basically Sunni Wahhabist fanatics. You know, they, they, this ISIS grew out of Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda grew out of Wahhabism, you know, the, the form of Islam that Saudi Arabia promotes all over the world, you know, that led to, to 9-11 and everything else. But Erdogan used to be secular. I know when he, after the military coup, he started, you know, throwing references to Allah into his speeches all the time. But is he taking the side of the Sunnis in opposition to the Shia to build an alliance, what, with Saudi Arabia and get their money against Iran? Or how does that relate to supporting ISIS? How do, you know, Turkey supporting ISIS? In 2014, when the city of Kobani basically was fighting to survive. Kobani in Syria? 
in Syria. Okay, thank Obadan you. Obadan was praying, and he was basically saying that the city was bound to fall, and really welcoming defeat of the Kurds by ISIS. Mm. And this is when basically the United States became uh, involved. Uh, uh, so if I'm understanding this correctly, what you're saying is that the reason Erdogan supported ISIS was not that he's philosophically assigned, aligned with ISIS or he wants to suck up to Saudi Arabia. It was because he saw ISIS as the guys who could kill the Kurds who were a thorn in his side. Is that right? It is uh, basically a theocracy and evolution. As you said, uh, Turkey used to be secular, but now it is theocratic and theocratic of the worst kind. So right. there has been really a metamorphosis of the ideology as represented by Erdogan, which is not very different from the ISIS view and perspectives. Oh, my God. And this is a NATO country. I mean, this... It is, ironically. He has been given green light to take over the people that he basically funded, supported, funneled basically bonds and resources into Syria to destroy the Kurds. Right. Under the pretext that they would be fighting basically ISIS. Now, the most reactionary jihadist forces in Syria belong to Turkey. Turkey is already in Syria. You're talking about uh, the guys who are in the camps, or are you talking about just a region uh, that Turkey the, controls the in northern Syria? Yeah, in all cases. In Afrin, which they captured last March, right. they are in basically control. Also in uh, western, basically, Syria, where they have fighters, and these fighters belong to jihadist, basically, groups. So they have already occupied parts of Syria. This one would be a prelude to greater ethnic cleansing. Yes. They want to use basically this so-called free zone, which is neither free nor it is a zone that belongs to Turkey or has been a matter of concern to replace the local population, predominantly Kurds, with Syrian Arabs. Right. So this is a, a, a very terrible, really, it's not just a military invasion, it is a cultural, linguistic, right. political, economic... No, that was my uh, original point. And, 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 and this is looking to me like we're looking at mass genocide, that we're looking at ethnic cleansing. Yeah, there is genocide. Look what happened to Armenians. The Armenians yeah. were also replaced, displaced, they disappeared, and then we had this genocide. Yeah. Amir, thank you. And and if we had any kind of actual leadership coming out of Washington, D.C., we'd be in the U.N. right now. We'd be pulling countries together. We'd be working this thing out. Instead, Trump is doing foreign policy by tweet. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And by whim, you know, he gets a call from Putin. He changes, he changes our policies. He gets a call from Erdogan. He changes our policies. You know, which autocrat is going to call him next? Amazing. Tyrone in Harlem, New York. Hey, Tyrone, what's up? Well, we should have gathered from Trump not going to the war, not going to war and not, you know, um, draft dodging. Now, mm -hmm. he's not a big fan of war. And the fact that how he dealt with this situation in, in Syria with the, when, they, when he dropped a few bombs over there and when he backed off um, attacking um, Iran, because of the, you know, the, they've been shooting down the, the um, drone. And right. He, he seems very um, hesitant to, to go into any type of military conflict. 
and and that was something that I that I picked up that I picked up from when he you know draft dodge. So him pulling these troops out, it's not really that much of a surprise to me, mainly because he, he, he he's not thinking about the repercussions because he's like I'm going to pull out of the, like he said these stupid wars. Right. So he's he not thinking. Not, he, he doesn't seem capable of understanding the difference between, you know, one one war and another, one conflict and another, one people and another. Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? Who's on our side? Who isn't? That's not, that's um, not his concern. That's not his concern. His concern right. is that if, if it is for him to get a hotel in Istanbul, okay, this sounds like this will work out better for me. Yeah, well, he did. I mean, in 2012, they opened Trump Tower in Istanbul. And I wonder if Erdogan's phone call was, hey, would you like to see your hotel shut down? And, and will we be surprised that that's the reason why he's doing it? But I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised either. He's transactional, like they say. And yeah. he, and, and I mean, having, isn't this similar to what we did with the Taliban? Right. Where we were, you know, we were backing them and we were doing, we do stuff just for the moment and not thinking about, you know, long, the long haul. What's going to yeah. happen later on after we, like like you said, um, Colin Powell said, you know, you you break it, you own it, you yeah. got to fix it. Yeah. We're not thinking about that. Yeah. We're thinking about you it's, know. You know, it, it, I, you know, I, I, I agree with you, Tyrone. I mean, on the other hand, you know, I remember. I, you know, I mean, I, in 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 1960, I was only nine years old when John Kennedy was elected president, but but I still remember that time, and I you know, and I remember the. The, you know, Kennedy in 1962, I think it was, sending 15,000, quote, advisors into Vietnam. And, you know, we were defending our buddies in South Vietnam who were trying to remain democratic and independent. Turned out, and, you know, looking back on it, it was they were just insanely corrupt and, you know, they were basically just hustlers, um, many of them anyway, or at least that's how, you know, that's where it ended up. Um, you know, the people that Nixon had helped set up in, in part. But... You know, I understand the argument of we don't want to turn our involvement in what I think should be Kurdistan into Vietnam on the one hand. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, we we said to these guys, we're your people. And then on the third hand, I guess, you know, we pulled out of South Vietnam and, yeah, there was a bloodbath. And now it's kind of shaken out. And boy, I, it, it's just this is this is this is just awful stuff. Tyrone, thanks a lot for the call. Lon in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Hey, Lon, what's up? You know, the reason for Trump betraying the Kurds and allowing Turkey to invade Syria is personal gain. Now, we know this because in December 2015, Trump did a radio confession saying, quote, I have a little conflict of interest because I have a major, major building in Istanbul. It's called Trump Towers. Right. Two towers. Right. With a shopping one, center in between them. Yeah. Exactly. So that was a quote directly from Trump hmm. on the radio in December 2015. Now, he gains protection for those Trump Turkish Towers licensing agreement, which Erdogan began threatening in 2016. Hmm. So it's a shrewd move. This move is calculated to protect his personal financial interests in Turkey. Yeah, now, I think you're right. This is just an yeah, it's it's another example of Trump using US foreign policy for his own benefit. Yeah. Now, we know that from the beginning his very first meeting, his very first visit, official visit was to Saudi Arabia where now, he wants to build no a tower. <laughs> That's right. 
That's right. And every time Trump is doing this, when he's manipulating the Ukrainians, when he's doing different things, it's for his personal interest. Now, the first question that all of us need to ask is how does this invasion help Erdogan? How does his invasion of Syria help him fulfill his goals? Now, number one, he's labeled Kurds and violated their civil rights and right. he's labeled them as terrorists you know they're because because right. of the and Turkish killed, separatist movement in southern turkey that's right and he's killed quite a number of kurds yep. in southern turkey yep. in mountain regions and there was even a cell phone video that was you know got out of turkey and smuggled out which showed people being murdered that was just a few years ago yeah now Erdogan's motivation to get into Syria is twofold in terms of the genocide, genocidal desires he has to kill Kurds. One is he wants to seize control of that portion of the Euphrates River so that he can be able to prevent the um, spring uh, irrigation from occurring and to have control. There's a there's a very large dam which is within Syria, and it's um, it it basically is a creates a huge reservoir and has done so for years. Mm-hmm. Now, number two, Erdogan has been accused of buying oil from ISIS as well as Iran. So, in the case of this Erdogan, is after ISIS captured oil, the Iranian oil fields. I mean, the Iraqi oil fields. This is. Yeah, he, he started, the ISIS started selling oil to Turkey after they captured those oil fields. Right. And this was a well-known smuggling operation. And so there's been a lot of um, information. And this goes back there, to the idea that which, from, from the earlier caller who had worked in the region, that, that, that Erdogan was perfectly willing to work with ISIS because they were all, you know, hot to slaughter Kurds, whether they were in uh, Syria or Iraq or southern Turkey. That's right. And if we look at the camp, which is in Syria right now, there is um, a rising uh, challenge. You're talking, are you talking the camp, these four camps that are holding 90,000 ISIS fighters? Exactly. Exactly what the earlier caller talked about. And so Erdogan will very likely release those people, just release them, which will ultimately benefit him in his fight to... To slaughter the Kurds. Kurds. Yeah, and he may not even have to release yeah. them because the because the, the camp guards essentially the people running the camps. Um, at least several of them are are being run by Kurds. Others are being run by Syrian forces. But they're all there. They're all holding these camps together with the support of U.S. I mean, this is what the U.S. troops have been doing in there in part is you know rounding up the you know helping the Kurds. Kurds are the front forces, you know, as pointed out earlier, there's 70,000 casualties, 10,000 deaths, 12,000 deaths. Um, the, you know, the Kurds have been helping round up the, the ISIS fighters, and the U.S. has basically been funding and, and holding these camps together. And Trump is just walking away from the whole thing. And, you know, this is going to blow back, frankly, on the United States, given the large footprint we have in the region. That's right. It will blow back, and that's that's um, an, another uh, very important issue. Now, when we look at this oil situation, Erdogan has also been accused of buying oil from Iran, and in the case of 
Erdogan's purchases, we have to look at the FBI arrest of Reza Zarab in March 19th, 2016. And Reza Zarab happens to be one of the tenants at Trump Tower in Turkey. Oh now, you can't be surprised can't be surprised when you start looking and digging a little deeper yeah. that Zarab, he was charged with evading U.S. economic sanctions on Iran and money laundering. So it's like the Turkish autocrats and, or oligarchs and the American oligarchs, Trump being one of them, hanging out. I mean, this is incredible. This is just incredible. Katie in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hey, Katie, Katie what's up? Hi. Um I watch your show every day. I love it. Thank you. Um, but I was actually calling about what y'all talked about um, in the last hour, um, and I just wanted to throw this out for thought. Um, I, I think that maybe uh, Trump is probably trying to deflect away from all this by withdrawing troops. He wants to deflect away from the um, impeachment inquiry and mm. the extortion of Ukraine to get invested in Hunter Biden, yeah, because uh, he wants to get the media to talk about something else. Well, it would, I think he'll change his mind. I think in the, you know in a day or so that you know go back to. I think we'll leave some troops over there, and that just for now they're pulling the troops out right now, Katie. They're pulling. They're literally pulling the troops out as we speak. It started about eight hours ago. I wonder if they're going to pull all of them. You know, I don't or know. to change his mind. I don't know. And I think there. I think I think your 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 theory is spot on. I mean, I'm in my opinion, Donald Trump was trained very well by NBC. They spent millions of dollars on consultants and people training him how to do reality television, and he un understands. Excuse me, every morning that he has when he wakes up every morning, the first question on his mind is, "What do I do or say to capture the news cycle?" Even if it's outrageous, he you know he's also said that his one of his heroes is P.T. Barnum. You know, who famously said, I don't care what they say about me as long as they spell my name right. Um, and, you know, there's no such thing as bad news. It's all, you know, just publicity. And and Trump has, you know, proven those truisms. So but but today, it, so, you know, it doesn't surprise me that Trump would do something outrageous to seize the news cycle and divert it from something else that's going on. But I don't think that today the Democrats have any open meetings that would, you know, where people are going to be testifying in ways that would be embarrassing to Trump or anything like that. Um, there, you know, there are subpoenas about the Ukraine scandal. There's subpoenas about his taxes. Federal judge, you know, ruled against Trump on his taxes. And then, you know, he immediately went to another federal judge and said, I need an emergency stay. And I've, I've got to check during the break and see how that shook out. But um, it doesn't seem like the kind of day that Trump would want to grab the news cycle. I think he's doing this because either Erdogan or Putin or both said jump and Trump said how high. Yeah, that, that's probably true. But I, I was thinking that I was kind of waiting around to see what he was going to do to try to deflect the media and the public away uh, from, you know, yeah. what's been going on, because it's so appalling and disgusting, you know. Well, that, this is, you know, Nixon. He doesn't want people to keep thinking about it, you know. Yeah. And, and Roger Stone is still, you know, a senior advisor to Don, or an informal advisor to Donald Trump. And Roger Stone, you know, with a tattoo of Richard Nixon on his back, you know, was one of the guys right. who helped make Nixon president. And, and Nixon was the master of basically whenever there was a domestic mess, including Watergate, you know, the, the Watergate story broke before the 1972 election. Um, it, it, it broke just as we were heading into that election. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what Nixon was the master of is saying, oh, foreign policy, foreign policy. And, you know, in his case, of course, it was Vietnam, by and large, um, and China, yeah. you know, his opening to China.
but um, there's a long history of uh, particularly Republican presidents. You saw Nixon, you saw Reagan, excuse me, do this with Grenada. You saw George Bush Sr. do this with his little 100-hour war in Iraq. I think they got it from Margaret Thatcher in 1979, you know, invading the Falklands and, and getting, you know, so much more popular. Her popularity went up above 50% as a result of that. So I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, Katie. I, I just, I, I think also there's a larger issue here, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to get my, my mind around it. Katie, thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you. People are always asking me, Tom, is the X chair really as comfortable as you say it is? And my answer is always, yes. In fact, I probably don't do a good enough job describing just how great this chair feels. So take my advice, get one to feel it for yourself. Thanks to X chairs, 30 days, no questions asked, guarantee of complete satisfaction. You have no risk. So if you're wondering if what I say is true, try it for yourself. Once you feel the X chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar support or DVL, you'll understand exactly why I love my X chairs so much. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and increase your productivity with the right model for you. The X-Basic or X1 through X4, the X-Chair can fit your body and your budget. X-Chair is on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairtom.com now. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. Go to xchairtom.com now and use the code XWHEELS and you'll get a free set of the new X-Wheels with your chair xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com. You're listening to Tom Hartman. So would you like to watch the Tom Hartman program? All three hours of our program, anytime you'd like, patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Thank you. Trump Tower Istanbul opening in 2012, or actually 2013. Ivanka Trump tweeting about it in 2012. I, I retweeted her tweet saying, geez, isn't this coincidental? coincidental. Uh, apparently Trump is making at least $5 million a year in this, in this licensing agreement. Uh, it's, it's just incredible. We've been talking about it for the last hour here. You know, what's, you know, what's Trump up to? What's going on? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very conflicted in some ways. I mean, I, you know, I remember Vietnam really, really well. And, and this was the, the argument that we were all making back in 2001 and 2002 uh, when, when, you know, people all across the United States were saying to Bush and Cheney, no, don't invade Afghanistan. No country has ever successfully occupied Afghanistan. We've been there 20 years and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, or nearly. And it's, it's, uh, we're, we're still losing control of it. The Taliban is making a comeback. And so now Trump is trying to, you know, buddy up with the, with the Taliban. Um, in Iraq, you know, we were saying, don't invade Iraq. You know, and if you invade Iraq, you're going to turn Iraq into a client state of Iran. And sure enough, that's what happened. The first business that opened uh, after, after Iraq kind of recovered a little bit from the shock of, of our destroying their country and their economy, and, and looting their museums and, and all this other stuff, was the, the, one of the first businesses that opened was the Bank of Tehran in Iraq. And you know, so now Iraq is controlled by a, a, an Iranian-friendly Shia uh, you know, government for all practical purposes. Um, we've, we, we basically just turned the whole region on its head. And why did we do this? Because Dick Cheney wanted to sell Iraqi oil. 
If you go back to 1998 to the project for a new American century, uh, you can you, you know you can see what was going on here. The, the, you know, as Dick Cheney said, Iraq had the second largest reserve of oil in the world, and and you know now we've and you know in the end the Kurds were a problem for the, for the Iraqis because they controlled some of the oil. They, you know, they lived in the regions that were oil rich up in the northwest of Iraq. And now Trump, apparently to keep his $5 million a year cash flow from Trump Toe Hotel in, in Istanbul, gets a phone call from Turkey's now dictator, Erdogan. He's, you know, declared martial law and suspended normal operations there. Gets a call from this guy who says, you know, I want to go kill Kurds. Because, you know, you've got Kurds in this one region that kind of, you know, it's the southwest of Iran, the northwest of Iraq. If I'm remembering my geography right, the, the, the north and northeast in particular of Syria and the south of Turkey. And, you know, this, this, this region, the Kurds for a millennia have said this is Kurdistan. And at times it has been Kurdistan, but really not since World War I. And the, and the Kurds, you know, they have their, by and large, are believers in secular government you know, not so much religious government, and you've got, and they, and they, you know, they nailed ISIS for us, and not just for us, for the world. And there's 90,000 ISIS fighters who are in these camps now in Syria that are being protected by the Kurds, and Trump just said to Turkey, you know, Erdogan calls him up apparently Saturday night and says, hey, you know, screw the Kurds. And so, you know, this morning, the, the U.S. military starts pulling out. And the Kurds are like, we've been stabbed in the back by the Americans. We thought you were, you guys were our friends. We've been working with you. So, you know, on the one hand, it's like, oh my God, you know, we're doing it again. We're, we're betraying allies. On the other hand, you know, obviously we should never should have been there in the first place. But, you know, as Colin Powell said, you know, you break it, you own it. You know, I mean, we, I mean even after World War II, we devastated Europe. And, and, and yet, what did we do? We passed the Marshall Plan to help put Europe back together. I mean, we should be a, 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 an advocate. I mean, this, this goes back to the old uh, suggestion that there should be a Department of Peace, the one that, you know, Marianne Williamson, I think, is the only presidential candidate who's actually championing this, uh, you know, in a substantial way. But, but, yeah, we should be an agent for peace in the region, and we should be pulling together people and negotiating with them, not making foreign policy decisions based on what's going to affect the, Trump, the cash flow of the Trump organization which is what's going on, or at least what it looks like to me is going on. It's amazing. Robinson in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Robinson, what's on your mind? If Trump is successful with Erdogan going into northern Syria, then the genocide of the Kurdish people will occur, and we will have a new article of impeachment, genocide against Donald Trump. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm inclined to absolutely agree with you. I, I think you're absolutely right. Thank you. George in Los Angeles, listening on KPFK. Hey, George, your thoughts on all this? Thank you, sir. I want to speak with great care. I have worked for Turkey, and I want to work with Turkey again. When I worked in Syria, I worked with young Kurds. They were students at the University of Damascus. They are very enterprising and disciplined people. I do not advocate an independent Kurdistan, but the United States must protect the people who have helped us. The Kurds have been betrayed too many times. If there is any way to help the Kurds without antagonizing Turkey, we must do something to help the people who have helped us. 
You said you don't advocate an independent Kurdistan. Is that because it would be such a geopolitical stick of dynamite in that region? You, I mean, literally every country, you got Kurds in Iran, you've got Kurds in Iraq, you've got Kurds in Syria, you have Kurds in southern Turkey. Each one of those countries basically hates the Kurds. You know, the idea that any of them would be in favor of an independent Kurdistan is, you know, pretty much impossible. Is that the basis of your opposition to an independent Kurdistan? Sir, I'm not opposed. I do not want to take any stance on that. Mm -hmm. I have no opinion on that. Okay. But I've worked in irregular wars, right. and the first people who are killed are the civilians. Yes. The soldiers will survive. They will flee to another country. Right. But the Kurds have been betrayed so many times. Saddam Hussein gassed them. The Iranians lined them up and shot them. You remember the photos of that? Yep. The Turks have killed they who oppose the Turkish government. Yep. And in Syria, the fellows I knew had lost family to the security, the Mokhabarat of Syria. So you cannot advocate an independent Kurdistan without creating a three-way, four-way, five-way war. Yeah. And it will yeah. be the extermination of a people, not the creation of a state. Ouch. However... We must help them in their struggle yeah. to at least rebuild their Specifically, George, since you worked in the region, how would you suggest helping them? This I say with great trepidation. Right. And let me rephrase that question. How would you suggest we help them without ending up in a quagmire? Bashar al-Assad has destroyed his country to maintain a secular society. I lost people, okay? Mm -hmm. And, and the Kurds believe in a secular society, the Syrian, too. Don't the Syrian civil war was a slaughter. Yeah. Bashar al-Assad will not get help from Russia. He will not get much help from Europe. And the United States could make money helping Syria. If we could possibly help Syria, Bashar al-Assad would allow the Kurds a... Right. Shall we say an autonomous? Yeah, no, I get that, which is more or less functionally what they had. But Russia has a major naval base in Syria. How do you... They always had a major presence in Syria. Right. The Syrians I worked with, they had Russian wives. There was Russians there with... There right, was, so how do we were, become... How do, how do we inter intervene in Syria to help the Kurds when the Russians are also there? I mean, you know, could this be a flashpoint or could this be an opportunity for the U.S. and Russia to align on something? Sir... Syria is a second world country. They are so far behind Europe in the infrastructure that is just the pavement and the wiring of the cities, a command society. If you deal with Bashar al-Assad, regardless of the horror of the Syrian civil war, mm. he needs our assistance. He needs anyone's assistance. I hate the words that I'm speaking. Yeah, because he's a murderous madman. Sir, um, think of how many people died in the American Civil War. Yeah, I got it. I got it. No, I'm not, I'm not saying don't work with him because he's a murderous madman. I'm, what I'm saying is, you know, this is... We have to deal with what... You play it as it lays. Right, you, you deal with what you have. I, I, get, I get it, George, and I do not disagree with you at all. Thank you so much for offering your insight you, and, and your Goodbye. perspective from having been there. Jared in Downington, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jared, what's on your mind today? I think at this point it's fair to say Donald Trump has committed treason 
and I don't say that very lightly. Well, how specifically is this a crime against the United States other than being something that's just like very, very much not in our both short and long term interests? Well, Erdogan and the Turkish state created ISIS in 2014. They left an open border on the southern part of Turkey. They allowed ISIS to sell their oil. They allowed foreign fighters to come in to uh, prop up ISIS. ISIS would not have existed for, without Turkey. And ISIS has now been rebranded as the Turkish Free Syrian Army in Syria with the ISIS um, terrorists being now used as a proxy force by the Kurdish in conjunction with the Kurdish army in Turkish occupied parts of Syria. Right. So by definition, Donald Trump is the head of ISIS at this point. I think it's fair to say that he is supporting ISIS in Syria, just like how Tulsi Gabbard pointed out correctly, Donald Trump is uh, protecting al-Qaeda in um, uh, 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 the, the uh, uh, al-Qaeda-controlled part of um, northern uh, Syria. Right. As George W. Bush did, and, by the way, and, and said, oh, you know, Osama bin Laden, eh, we'll forget about him, you know. Yeah. George Bush created ISIS. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, you, you were, and, and it's it, it, this is this is this is high treason. What is going on? What and and nobody seems to be talking about that. We're we're betraying the Kurds. We're sending them over to a dictator, Erdogan. Uh, he is apparently uh, Ivanka Trump tweeted how uh, great that Erdogan visited a Trump uh, uh, Tower Hotel uh, just today. And, and, and here's Today? the really kicker. Erdo yeah. Oh, and, and it gets worse. Erdogan just recently said in a speech that um, there's far fewer ISIS prisoners now, and uh, he may have to start letting some ISIS prisoners out. So um, guess what that means? Yeah. All those ISIS prisoners are probably going to be flowing out into Syria, and we're going to be seeing a, a holocaust like to which we can't even imagine. So Among the Kurds, you mean they're going to slaughter the Kurds? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and they'll have the and they'll have the the help of the Turkish army. I mean, you know, Erdogan has been killing Kurds for years and years in southern Turkey. And they'll also have the help of um, uh, of uh, ISIS Don, basically. Right. So um, uh, this should be added to the articles of impeachment. By the way, we need to start seriously, or maybe even talk about formal arrest charges at yeah. this point. I'd may, like to see some legislation around this too and and more more than just a you know a resolution of the of the, you know the sense of the Senate sense of the House kind of thing but uh, you know some actual legislation Congress needs to take back control of foreign policy in the United States. You know, I realize the president's supposed to negotiate things under the constitution but the Congress has the final say in all treaties. A lot of people are making a lot of claims about CBD oil, and it, it actually seems that a lot of people are getting benefits from it, and I'm one of them. I've been using New Leaf Natural CBD oil for a while and love it. CBD oil is non-intoxicating, which makes it great for people seeking the health benefits of cannabinoids without the mind-altering effects of medical marijuana. CBD is non-toxic and has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. 
And the brand I trust is New Leaf Naturals. New Leaf Naturals is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, contains no additional additives, grown in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp, so the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, it's newleafnaturals.com, and save up to 30% off, excuse me, save 30% off, and receive free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to nuleafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. Alfonso David is on the line with us, LGBTQ civil rights lawyer and advocate, president of the Human Rights Campaign, a great, great organization. One of my kids worked for the Human Rights Campaign for a couple of years. HRC.org is the website. Alfonso David is the Twitter handle. Alfonso, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being with us. By the way, uh, October is LGBTQ History Month, but uh, you know, more to the point right now, we've got, and the Democrats are going to have a town hall on CNN on October 10th talking about the power of our pride co-sponsored by the Human Rights Campaign. But it looks like the Supreme Court is fixing to change things up here uh, after uh, Anthony Kennedy uh, resigned from the court just as his son was getting embroiled in the Trump Deutsche Bank scandal. And I think that there's a lot to that story, but that's a whole nother issue. Uh, but he was the swing vote. He was always the swing vote in favor of gay rights in these, all these 5-4 decisions. And uh, now he's been replaced by, by Brett Kavanaugh. And uh, I don't have a good feeling about this. Tell us about the case. Sure, sure. Uh, so the U.S. Supreme Court is reviewing three cases uh, on Tuesday of this week. The court is being asked to consider... Uh, three cases that are focused on the federal ban on sex discrimination in the workplace. What that means is the court is being asked to consider whether or not LGBTQ people are protected by federal civil rights laws. Many federal courts have already ruled that anti-LGBTQ discrimination is a form of sex discrimination and that violates federal law. In essence, you can't fire someone from their job uh, because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. That would violate federal civil rights laws. What you're saying is basically an extension of saying you can't fire, I mean, where this all started was you can't fire somebody because, you know, because they're a woman, basically. You can't, you can't give preferential hiring to men over women. And, and now this is, you know, we're expanding this out to say, okay, if we're going to define, you know, who you are based on your gender, you can't fire people um, who fall outside of that totally binary spectrum. Am I, do I have that right? That's exactly right, because it's under the federal civil rights laws, the, the framework is sex discrimination. Right. If you can, if you refuse a job to a woman because of her gender, that would be a form of sex discrimination. The same would be if you refuse to hire someone based on their gender identity or sexual orientation. Right. Again, federal courts have ruled that federal civil rights laws do cover LGBTQ people. But now the Trump administration uh, is threatening to redefine federal sex discrimination laws. And they're effectively saying to the court that LGBTQ people should not be protected. But this goes way beyond that. If the Supreme Court rules against us, this will be a sea change for millions of people in this country. Just to put it in context, in 30 states in this country, there are no state laws that prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. They don't exist. So if you live in one of those 30 states and the Supreme Court issues a ruling 
that federal civil rights laws do not protect you. An employer could fire you simply because you're gay, could fire you if you marry someone of the same sex, could fail to promote you because of your gender identity, could deny you opportunities because you're bisexual, for any of those categories. People will essentially lose all of the protections they currently have under federal civil rights laws. How might this affect hate crime legislation? I mean, you know, we, we define hate crimes based on being a protected group. And if we're not going to, you know, if LGBTQ people are no longer a protected group, does that, does, you know, is that going to reach into the ability of people to even um, seek redress of, uh, you know, in, in case of, you know, violent attacks or the attempts, things like that, of hate crimes? Or is that, is that beyond the realm of uh, what, this, these, what these rulings may end up with? It's unfortunately not beyond the realm because we still have uh, an increase in hate crimes across this country. And we have an interesting defense that many people, it's actually a, a deplorable defense that many people use, which is called the gay trans panic defense. So it's, it's happening in certain parts of the country. If someone is killed uh, because of their sexual orientation or gender identity, the defendant can, in many cases, use the gay trans panic defense as a basis to either have a reduced sentence or have it be a legitimate defense. It's like the stand, now, your, stand your ground laws. I was afraid, therefore I'm, yeah. a, I'm entitled to kill. Uh, you know, it's, it's the argument that uh, was made against the guy who, who killed Trayvon Martin. Exactly. And, and it's happened, uh, uh, you know, I was afraid when this person came out uh, in a bar and they told me they were gay, I was afraid that they were going to hit on me, so I killed them. Right, right. And it's a deplorable, uh, you know, uh, defense that's being used in certain parts of the country. Uh, in New York, that's been banned. It's been banned in a few other states, but unfortunately is still a legitimate defense in other parts of the country. So you could see, to your earlier point, a collateral consequence of the Supreme Court effectively saying LGBT people are not protected under federal civil rights laws. And you could see a collateral consequence for how other federal statutes could be interpreted. Amazing. What Very quickly, since this is going before the court, you can't lobby the court. I mean, what can people do, Alfonso David? People could make their voices heard to their elected officials so that we can pass the Equality Act. It's a statute, it's a piece of legislation that passed the House. We're hoping that it passes the Senate so that LGBT people can be protected. We need to pass the Equality Act. Okay. Call your representatives, 202-225-3121, the Equality Act. Thank you, Alfonso. This Thank is you. the Tom Hartman Program. Fascinating. We've got a long way to go in this country, and we've got a lot of work to do. Let's begin. Lars in Seattle. Hey, Lars, what's up? Hey, Tom. I just wanted to remind you uh, the uh, precedent uh, that George Bush Sr. set with the Marsh Arabs. He made them a promise that he would support them if they tried to overthrow Saddam Hussein. Right, and they rose up, and then, and then Hussein slaughtered them, and George Herbert Walker Bush just stood around twiddling his thumbs. Exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, so, nothing new under the sun. Yeah. I've got one other thing I want to talk about. Uh, I remember reading a New York Times article, and it was I was way deep into it, second or third page, when it mentioned how uh, the Russians had been being spied on by an Eastern European country. The writer didn't know who it was, but he was he or she was referred to Latvia mm-hmm. as the source of the story um, about Trump. They interviewed uh, some kind of 
communique with Trump or Trump's organization to the Russians, became alarmed, let the uh, State Department know or something, and that's how the whole thing blew up. And I didn't hear another word about that afterwards. Well, I think the whole think- Russia thing actually started when when um, uh, George Papadopoulos met with this uh, this professor guy, Mifsud, who has vanished, by the way. And and you know what does that mean? I mean, he's literally vanished. Um, and Mifsud told Papadopoulos that the Russians had dirt on Hillary Clinton, and this was you know long before even the DNC was explicitly hacked. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and Papadopoulos bragged about this to a Russian ambassador, in the, or excuse me, an Australian ambassador, and the Australian ambassador contacted the CIA, or the FBI rather, directly to the FBI. And that, that was what got James Comey and, and friends uh, to start looking into uh, Russian influence on the Trump campaign. And they were doing it not, not to try to nail the Trump campaign. They were doing it to try to protect the Trump campaign from the possibility of being corrupted by the Russians until they started digging into it and discovering, no, the Trump campaign was trying to work something out with the Russians. It's, it's insane. Lars, thank you. Excellent point all. Excellent points all. Uh, Emma Marie in Spanish Harlem, New York. Hey, uh, Emma Marie, what's up? I just want to um, wish Carter well, President Carter, and thank you for um, receiving me. A government needs to be uh, stabilized. It's not supposed to be hollow, you know, but there's yeah. an excuse for minor errors. But um, with uh, the d- distribution of power, health care, you can't have a government from the people. Yeah. So, whoever, like, founded this country, you know, my ancestors, their ancestors, whoever's name is written up in the sky or in heaven, we, we can do a better job of treating children. We absolutely can. And, and just the idea that we've got an administration that is reveling in tearing over 20,000 children away from their parents, people who are simply literally fleeing famine and gang violence in Central America that we helped create is insane. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy doesn't fall out of the sky. It's not a spectator sport. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.